Welcome to Overanalyzing, a conversational podcast that explores pop culture, literature, and media. I'm Paige Smith, and I'm here with my brother, Cole. This week, we're overanalyzing the second season of You on Netflix, a sometimes thriller, sometimes dark comedy about a serial killer on his search for love. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hi. This is our first podcast. Ever. Ever. If you can believe it. Yeah. Wow. First recording, not first listening. No. But we're here. We've got our tea. We've got our cough drops. And we have scathing notes about the show that we're going to talk about. Yeah. So, Paige, why don't you give them a little intro? (sighs) Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, we thought we'd kick it off by talking about... Season two. Wait, do you want to say what the podcast is? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, wow. guys. We're Excuse so me. nervous. It's our first podcast. I'm already just jumping in like I'm an old timer here. Like you well, guys know what heads. to expect. Um, so welcome to Overanalyzing, a podcast that explores pop culture, literature, media, everything we're interested in. Wow. And we just dive deep on something we love and... Analyze it. Overanalyze it, if <laughs> One you will. One could even say we overanalyze. <laughs> okay, but I know you're thinking, <clears throat> but who are you? <laughs> and It's you, totally valid. That's a really fair, fair uh-huh. question, and we, we welcome that type of questioning. Yeah. And who are we? We're just two siblings mm-hmm. who love to consume and <laughs> who both have degrees in literature and yeah. so we love critical analysis. So that makes us extremely qualified. That makes us, yeah, <laughs> as qualified as the next person who... Exactly. <laughs> Just about as qualified as you to analyze any piece of pop culture. So really know. we're all on the same page here is what we're saying, <laughs> which is kind of nice. You know, we want to... So comment down below. <clears throat> yeah, we want a camaraderie with our mm-hmm. uh, our listeners. And yeah, we're he- we're here to just talk about the things we love and parse them apart for meaning. I think I'll speak for myself, but I am someone who loves to assign meaning to everything in life. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially the things I read or watch or enjoy. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I love to discuss. The main thing I miss about college is the sense of community. How old are you? All right, we'll just get it out there right now. I am 28 years old. It's been a while since I've been sitting in a English classroom. And I miss that. I miss just sitting around in a circle and discussing something and analyzing the shit out of it. It's and true. looking way too hard into things and then relating them back to the culture today and the world around For us. Sure. And yeah. Doing the classic English class thing, which is to assume that. Everything in a piece of media was purposeful. Yes. And yeah. to wonder why. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As you can tell, well, you guys can't see this, but my skin <laughs> is really youthful. I'm actually 21. <laughs> Still in college. Almost 22. Let's clarify yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah very close. Um, I'm in my last year of college, um, finishing up my degree. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in the thick of it. Yeah. We. Yeah. Please. <laughs> 
take us maybe a little bit to get our footing. Yeah. But thanks for being here. Thanks for sticking through this intro. If if you are, we're we're happy that there might be one All four person of our out friends there. Yeah. <laughs> and the five members of our family. It yeah. means the world that you're listening right now. Uh, but so if you love to go deep, if you're one of those people who goes online after you watch something or you read a book and you you pop on Reddit to Ugh. see what everyone else is thinking, I do that. I'm a mm-hmm. major Reddit lurker. I okay. don't have wow. an account. I don't post, but I love to see what all the hot goss is. I love to see what everyone else is thinking. And so that's what hopefully this podcast can be. Yeah. Uh, we'll do our best to acknowledge our privilege throughout this and try to offer different insights. Uh, Yeah, we hopefully we will not be as misogynistic and Mm. aggressive as Reddit can be. Yes, 100%. I guarantee you we won't. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Okay, let's hope. Season two of You. Mm. Before we get into it, I feel like we need to rewind and talk about why why we even wanted to discuss it, why we wanted to watch season two, Mm -hmm. because what was the deal with season one? Take me back to your watching of season one. There I was. There you were. A year ago this time. Really? Okay. Yeah. It came out this time last year. So, um, you watched it at my recommendation, right? Yeah. I had, I blocked all of this out. So I watched (laughs) it. I watched this show. Um, for those of you th- who don't know anything about this show, this will be a spoiler-heavy discussion. So mm-hmm. please, mm-hmm. if you have plans of watching it, then this might not be the podcast episode for you. But if you don't have plans of watching it or you've already watched it, then great. Stick around. Um, yeah, it's a it's a show about a psychopath. Um, who mm. is, I mean, maybe that's the wrong word, sociopath. There's different language used throughout the series, and yeah. he doesn't really know himself. But um, it's a story of love. <laughs> <laughs> it's a That's story what it's of, marketed as. It's really marketed as a story of love and about the dangers of social yeah, media. Wait, sorry. Which you, you tell them what it's about. We, really, we need to go into that later because yeah. I find that really interesting. But for those of you who haven't seen it or don't plan on watching it, it is a story that features Penn... Badgley. Mm. I want to say that's how you pronounce was he his last unknown name. prior to this? No, what's funny is he was, oh, this is oh, too early for your generation. No. Um, I'm really young, he, you guys. He, <laughs> he played actually a, um, a stalker in Gossip Girl. He was the narrator of Gossip Girl. So, oh, you guys, that's a spoiler for Gossip Girl. <laughs> if anyone <laughs> isn't Forget caught what up. what she just said. <laughs> but you know what? You're behind the times if you haven't yeah, seen it. Sorry. Um, but yeah, so he was from Gossip Girl, super famous. So now I Wait, think he's- Wait, he was XOXO? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I thought it was a woman. I no, I mean, that's what that's what you wanted to think. Oh, Kristen Bell narrated it in the show. It. But, he was, but he was revealed as the person who was taking the photos of everyone, mm, posting the gossip online, perpetuating that so entire he's narrative. Yes, he's been oh, scary. He's been creepy. Okay. So he's a little bit typecast as that. But I think he, he does it. the role well. Mm. But so the first season. He's just season, cute enough. Yeah. Yeah. The first, he's just cute enough. He's just white enough. He's Mm -hmm. just male enough Mm -hmm. and bookish enough. Yeah. Anyway, so the first season takes place in New York. He is a bookstore clerk. Mm -hmm. And he, in the first five seconds of the show, uh, sets his sights on a woman who enters his store Mm -hmm. named Beck. 
and and quite literally sets his sights on. It's a very predatory yeah introduction to his affection for this character. Yeah, they really dive in and set the stage for it, and that's actually what hooked me to the show because yeah. in the first. 60 seconds so much happens Mm -hmm. it starts and they play that music that's kind of wistful and they they start to zone in on elizabeth lale's character Mm -hmm. and she's beautiful and she's just charming and she's great teeth great canines Mm. (laughs) and it's in a bookstore and it's warm it's glowy and they just drop you right into his perspective. And I was instantly hooked from that. And I thought it was so good. And so the season follows his obsession and stalking of Beck. Mm-hmm. And then his eventual killing of her mm-hmm. after he decides to kill two people she's uh, very close to in her life. Decides he- as an... Yeah. Well, I guess that's part of the series, right, is you're given his perspective, so his decision to kill those people seems logical almost when he does mm. it, right? Like, he he doesn't want to kill anybody, or that's what he tells himself throughout the series is, yeah. I never had the intentions of hurting anyone. Yeah. But he ends up killing quite a few people on yeah. his way to finally killing <clears throat> her in an effort to keep her closer to him. Yeah. Yeah. And he eventually kills her because she discovers... Mm-hmm a box of his mementos that he's kept from people he's murdered and she freaks out, understandably so, and he locks her in his classic glass cage, mm-hmm. which... He mysteriously teleports to L.A. in season two. But. Right. So anyway, season one, what were your general thoughts on it? Because I could... I, you know, I was obsessed with some, it. Yeah, something that I really appreciated about it was it's very interesting perspective on sort of the male gaze. I mean, that's what the series is about, mm. in effect, right? You're, you're only given perspective from Penn Badgley's character. It's never... The camera never moves outside of him. So it is very much about how he sees the women that he's attracted to. Yeah, you're trapped. Obsessed with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his brain. And you literally hear his voice. It's a narrated show. Um, and so I thought it was interesting that they were exposing the sort of disgusting male gaze in the way that he's criticizing her out the gate like oh she wants you to think this Mm. oh she you know all these Mm -hmm. things he's typecasting her so i found all of that really interesting and i think it sort of struck a similar chord as so many true crime podcasts do which is you get the satisfaction of seeing something that you know happens in the world of these creepy obsessive stalkings and killings eventually and you get like an insider's look at it and that's how i felt in season one i thought it was a really interesting way of examining that and like exposing yeah. that horror, but yeah. season two is a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think season one was so effective because <clears throat> on the surface, it's just interesting. You're in the mm-hmm. New York literary scene, which yeah, is kind of too. a fun place to be. It's a little bit pretentious. It's well set. And yeah. Yeah. The sense of place was really nice, I think. And then I loved the characters. I know they were they were supposed to be unlikable, but... I loved Peach. I thought yeah. Shay Mitchell killed her mm-hmm. character. She was... It's filled with, like, lovable, flawed characters. Yeah. She was funny. She was ironic. I, I thought it was great. And I really liked Beck's character, too. She mm-hmm. was just the... I think the writing was so good a, around her because she was this perfect, mediocre mm-hmm. person that, that I think... Normal person. Yeah. Just this, just this really normal 
like white woman mm-hmm. who the world frankly and men project all their fantasies she's kind of a blank canvas in that Absolutely, way yeah. and so we dive into her backstory but at the same time she's left with kind of this this blankness that joe really decides to perpetuate Minor so daddy that, issues yeah her, she wants to be an artist but it's not going very well <clears throat> she has a loft that's sort of subsidized by her father right yeah. right she's, she's a picture of like like lower upper class privilege yeah absolutely absolutely and but i think she plays it well and Mm -hmm. she she's likable and relatable and yet frustrating Mm -hmm. which i think works to the writer's advantage in having us sympathize with joe's character because at certain Uh, points don't get me started at certain points you do get frustrated enough with beck to be on Joe's side a little bit mm-hmm. and think, okay, well, that's understandable. He would want to push yeah. her in this way or help her in this way because it is really frustrating how she's just being pushed around by her friends or whatever the case might be. So I loved her character. I think she was she was frustrating but in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I just was obsessed with the whole season. And I think what the the part about it that worked so well is that if you hadn't read Caroline Kepnes's book, You, which this is based on, it was written in. I thought it was Hidden Body. That's the sequel. Oh, yeah. Oh, so okay. her her book, it was called You, you. came out in 2014. The sequel, Hidden Bodies, came out in 2016. And that's what the second season of You is based upon. But So whose fault is the second season? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. But if you hadn't read the books then you don't know where this is going. You know he's a stalker, but you are kind of hoping Beck will find him out, Mm -hmm. get revenge, get away. You just don't know where it's going. Because because you're forced into his perspective, right? They set up these narrative arcs of like, here's a problem that Joe, the main character, needs to solve. And just because we've been conditioned to, to like a problem resolution in any type of book, movie, whatever... Part of you is rooting for Joe to solve these problems. Like, oh, she's going to find out. I'm stuck in her house. I have to get out of this somehow. And mm-hmm. if that means killing her best mm-hmm. friend, you're like, yeah, do it. Like, you got to get out of here. But then at the same time, you're also rooting the whole entire series for Beck to find out and for these characters that are playing yeah. against Joe. So yeah. they, they did this good job of keeping you in this limbo between I want Joe to succeed just because we're in his perspective and that's mm-hmm. what he wants. But mm-hmm. also I want nothing less than for him to succeed because that means the killing of a character that you like or... Right. Yeah. Completely. And that's that's why it works. And I think they play out the suspense really nicely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really well paced where it's yeah. it starts off this kind of slow thing. Even, even though he sets his sights on her right away, he's at a distance for the first mm-hmm. couple episodes. And he's just stalking her and they haven't even, you know, really reconnected yeah. or anything. And even when they do, she keeps him at a distance. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're friends. You know, we're not. He's in the friend zone for a while. And mm-hmm. so it's this really nice buildup of this point to where <clears throat> right before he get becomes violent yeah. toward her, she confesses that she loves him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it was just really well done in that way. And in fact, I thought that it was going to be, like, I thought it would be a perfect, like, limited series. Oh, yeah. Like, if it ended after season one, oh, I would have been so happy. It should have. It really should have. It was, it would have been a perfect, a perfect kind of just narrative about 
the dangers of toxic 100%. masculinity and social media and the surveillance state that we live yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. But before we discuss too much about season one, I feel like we should move on to season two. Yeah. But that is to say that season one ended with a weird twist yeah. in that Joe's ex-girlfriend, who is presumed to be dead throughout the first series, comes into the bookstore after he kills Beck. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's she's there. She's ready to stir shit up. And that's what you're left with. Yeah. Um, for Which two. I was psyched about and i was really? thinking yeah but I, that's that bothered me because i was like i want this to be over i would have liked the limited series yeah. ending but then it was like uh-oh it was a very classic like last three minutes of the show like uh-oh here's season two yeah totally but i i would have been happy if it ended there but i was also thinking okay if they are going to do a season two because it it was such a sensation mm-hmm. and people loved it I was excited that that thread was carried yeah, through. Yeah, that's true. And so, okay, with that, let's just start off with, let's set the scene of watching season oh two. Let's come out and just tell the listeners, you guys, Cole didn't want to watch it. We watched the first, was it three episodes? Two episodes Two, two episodes. Mm-hmm. Two episodes together, and I don't know what it was, but... It did. <laughs> I, I was I, not you can, there you for You know it. what it was. I know what it was. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was sad to say because I was hyped about this. And Paige had been like December 26. Mm-hmm. I thought the writing took a, a sharp dive <clears throat> out of nowhere. And I think a lot of that for me had to do with the setting of the second season, which is LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's this very strange caricature that is painted of LA throughout the whole. Second season, it's not just as Joe... So Joe moves to LA to escape Candace, the ex-girlfriend that returned from the dead. And it's not just when he gets there that you're given these LA cliches and he has to deal with that. It's throughout the whole 10 episodes that LA is this weird character in and of itself in like a kind of a a sex in the city type Mm -hmm, way, right? mm -hmm. Where they try to have the environment play a role, but it is not well done in my opinion. Or I found it annoying. I found it annoying too, and I don't know, but I would be curious to know if that's just because we're more familiar with LA. Yeah, I was I'm wondering very, that. I'm way Spoiler more f- alert, we're Californians. Spoiler alert. So This Cal. podcast is coming from <laughs> SoCal. And so I am I know LA really well from mm-hmm. having my husband went to school there, my friends went to school there. I've spent a lot of time there. I don't know New York that yeah. well so that could have been people oh, could have had the same issue wow. with season one that we're having with this one the twist our perspective if, isn't the only one <laughs> can you believe no, that's so true <laughs> yeah so so i, I take it all back yeah <laughs> i mean i'm open to that possibility yeah. but i do feel like it was just really thrown in our face and mm-hmm. i think that's because catchy. joe was... didn't he doesn't like la and yeah. so in that way, I also – I was angry that the writers made us sympathize even more with Joe because the way that they thrust the L.A. caricatures mm-hmm. on the, the the watchers made it made us be annoyed too. And then it's like, yeah, yeah. Joe, I get where you're coming no. from. LA's fucking annoying and everybody's a cliche. But it's like they did that. They did that. They didn't have to portray it that way, but – that's very it, well in the first season, right? There's this sort of like sepia toned romance that's tasked over all of New York, that's which it. is very yeah. nice to be in. And it is still Joe's perspective, but it, it, there's just something inherently different about the picture they paint of LA, which is this really like bright, cool toned, weird. I don't know, it felt like a set. 
Yeah. Where the New York thing felt like an escapism, like you were reading like a little vignette into like a book it atmosphere. It felt so cozy. It felt so the cozy. The whole season felt cozy, mm-hmm. which I Even think... Even though that was in contrast to literal murders, which was the brilliance of it, right? It kept you in that limbo of like, I love it here, but also I'm scared shitless. And I, But I think that this brightness, I don't know, the... And then the violence, and I felt like it got even kind of gorier this season. Mm -hmm. It was just such an intense contrast that I really was disgusted. Yeah. And even, it it just doesn't paint LA nicely at all. It's very, like, manicured fake from the moment you did, which is what Joe is seeing. So I guess they did a good job of making you hate LA as much as the main character. He He goes to LA... Because it's the city that he believes no one would ever search for him in because mm-hmm. he hates it so much. Yeah. But because of that, the entire setting of the second season is like is seen through this lens of I hate this place, yeah. which is not comfortable as a viewer. Yeah, that's a really good point. He right. Was, he was so in love with New York and the fact that you can walk and his mm-hmm. bookstore and so so many of the pivotal scenes actually in that in the first season took place in the bookstore whether it was mm-hmm. a party that peach threw for beck or beck's birthday oh, party so later well, like, or even too. yeah, oh, yeah. and yeah. even things on in the basement literally below mm-hmm. below and, the bookstore yeah and now <clears throat> he transfers this weird cage to like this random cold gross storage unit on some corner that felt so inconceivable to such, me. Yeah, BS. Because he struggles with money. Throughout, he's like, oh, I don't have the money to do this. But you can ship a massive fucking human yeah. cage <laughs> and reassemble it. In, yeah. Okay. And also, that storage unit was bigger than most apartments mm-hmm. in New York oh, or even in LA. It was, it was fucking massive. He could not afford that. He was. It is stated he makes $12 an hour. Yeah, they it, they said it. Yeah. They said it, it, it not it us. Big, <laughs> y'all, that wasn't us. They said it. Oh, so, okay. okay, I want to kind Let's of... Let's stop summarizing and yeah. just discuss some points. Uh, yeah. So I want to talk about, because we're, we're talking about a lot of the differences between season one, what did you think of the overall structure of season two? I, In terms of... There were certain narrative mm. points that or or character symbols that were... Th- the same in season two. Mm-hmm. Like in season one, he has Paco mm-hmm. to look out for. In season two, he has Ellie to mm-hmm. look out for. He has, you know, he he gets dumped and then he rebounds with Karen in season one. And in season two, it's Delilah. And so what did you think about that? I was frustrated at points that it seemed like it. it was predictable. Oh, you liked it? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very predictable. It was the yeah. classic Netflix <laughs> Um, sequel thing, in my opinion, which they've done with Stranger Things, they've done with countless series where they were like, wow, y'all loved that? What if we did it again? Yeah. And Is it, that it Netflix's was, fault? Um, I'm not here to cast blame. <laughs> That's a podcast for another yeah. day. I don't know, because I haven't read Spoiler alert, we haven't read the books. We haven't read the books. Um, She is a, she's a consulting producer, the author, on the show. And from what I've read, it it differs, but in a way that feels nice for mm, TV adaptations. Okay. But But maybe she wrote the same plot again. It's not the exact same thing, but it is very close. Which maybe that reflects, I mean, if we're going to be like armchair psychologists, serial killers do have an MO that they stick to and there's something about the routine of killing mm. and they they search out the the same like euphoria that they got from their last 
chill a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense to me that Joe would latch on similarly to another kid that he feels protective of because the entire theme of the series, right, is, or at least of the second season, which is the one of the few parts of the second season that I actually did enjoy, which is his reflection on his childhood self, mm. um, where he's learning to love himself and forgive himself as a kid for this initial murder that he committed. Yeah. Right. And so there's there's something there about him picking another kid that reminds him of himself, which is yeah. like bright at a young age, yeah. precocious. Yeah. All of the weak, doesn't have a full parental system going yeah. on, which is the same. Paco and Ellie, they both don't have a complete traditional household, which is emphasized that he didn't have that either. He didn't have a strong male figure, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I get that. That's a good point. Yeah. I think, I think he clearly has his patterns. Mm-hmm. It has traumas that he's trying to overcome exactly. in going back to the same types of women, the same types of relationships, what mm-hmm. have you. But um, so let's let's just start off by talking about start the off. two. It's like 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start this let's new. Yeah. Let's start this new little section by talking Great. about the two main characters in this one, Love and Forty. I'm screaming the at the tennis pun. It's, yeah, and I was kind of mad at the writers, but then I was like, okay, well, that was Caroline Kepnes. She did that in oh, the book, so okay. certain things just win. cannot be changed. But also, it does it does match with, like, the whole vibe of their entire family, which is this, like, quirky, mm-hmm. crazy L.A., but yeah. also deeply fucked up and actually just kind of weird Yes. thing that's going on. Yeah. Love and 40, 40 love. 40 love. They're twins. <laughs> so, okay, I... <clears throat> initially really i was i was really frustrated by the speed with which love and mm-hmm. joe's relationship started because i felt like there was no foundation really no. that made us believe or get invested in their connection or their mm-hmm. dynamic but i do think that's a little bit explained later by the fact that we realize that she's also someone who's capable of murder because yeah. Then it sort of seems like – and in the retelling, they flash back and it seems like she latched onto him. She said she recognized something in him right away that she connected mm. with. But did you find that jarring? Because for me, I was – the first few episodes felt well, really like, slow Well, like, they thought me. they were very clever by having her – in their initial meeting, Joe's kind of stalking her in this crazy, like, L.A. L.A., very L.A. market that's, like, a market slash cafe. And he's stalking her, but then she's like, are you following me? And so we're like, oh, she's different. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, she like sees what he's doing and she's okay with it. So they thought they were chic. I remember when they reveal at the end that she's also a murderer, they flash back to that moment mm. of like, oh, she's been the one mm. doing this to him the whole time. And it's like, no, y'all really didn't set that fully up. But I saw what they were going for, right? And that she's she's different and she's more similar to him, this darkness. She. I think they set it up in the sense of her being... It's. I did actually feel like he, he was so enamored with Beck and she was never mm. quite in love with him, but with the idea of how he made her feel. Yeah. But then I thought in this season, love seemed more interested. Oops. Oh. Sorry, you guys. Ignore that. Not used to <laughs> Sorry, my, you guys. Sorry, you guys. Not it's used our to first microphone. podcast. Um, I thought love seemed more interested in him mm. than he did in her. True. And even how she was so dismissive of Yet he, all like, the fucking red flags. Mm. He literally tells her, like, I'm damaged. And she's like, aren't we all, though? And Yeah, it was very that. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I couldn't make – at first, when I, when I was watching the show, I was like, they're making this too fast. But I think 
seeing where her character went, I guess it makes sense. But like, I guess, you know, it's not like a, that makes sense. It wasn't like a big reveal. But it, I guess, but. The, you know. Well, the reveal of her being a murderer too, it wasn't like, <gasps> like every piece just fit together. It was like, okay, I guess that tracks, or at least that's how I felt. I I, I, I felt like I could see it coming. Which we didn't I know watch is, it together, sorry. Yeah, we didn't watch it together, but Kyle and I had said early on, I Kyle's feel like- Kyle's her husband. Kyle's my husband, you guys. <laughs> Recently um, married, say congrats to <laughs> Madonna. So we were watching it together and both of us said maybe around episode three or four, I feel like just because of the backstory with Forty and the nanny- mm. It felt like there was more to the story. We thought, okay, maybe she killed the nanny. Mm. And so I kind of sensed that she was maybe more similar to Joe, yeah. but I didn't see it coming that she killed Delilah. Mm-hmm. That was a wild twist and how. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I would <sighs> I would be curious to watch it again, knowing what I know now and see and see how just just look more deeply into her mm-hmm. acting and all the little character Okay, moments. I was going to bring it up because I will say, full disclosure, I was like in a delirious state last night watching <laughs> this for like six hours straight um, past my bedtime. And so maybe I didn't see what was truly there, but I found her acting to be not nearly as good as Bex or the, the, the woman who played Bex in the last season. Do you think it's the acting or the writing? Porqueno los dos. Yeah. 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 I think it could be both for sure. I have, I like to think after seeing JLo and Hustlers, we've talked about this a little bit. No, truly, we've been that, talking. that yeah. was revelatory for me because I realized, whoa, JLo is a brilliant actor and she hasn't just, she just hasn't been given a good That's enough true. script That's true. to showcase her abilities. And this actress, Victoria Pedretti, who plays mm-hmm. Love, she was in The Haunting of Hill House. Do you remember that show no. that came out on Netflix like a year or so ago? Mm-mm. It is spooky. I watched a few episodes and she also she plays it? she also plays a twin with okay. a with a fraternal um brother <sighs> who is a substance abuser. Oh my god. Yeah, Connected it's kind of it, there's some connections, yeah. Okay. And she's haunting. Okay. And she's so I think that she is a talented actor. I think some of the lines she was given in the dialogue just felt really stiff to me. Yeah, it it was very stiff. Okay, well that's that's valid then. So Yeah. What we're getting back to is the writing. (laughs) I'm so this is just a podcast where we shade Mrs. whatever her name is. Caroline Katniss. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Maybe but the books Maybe they're maybe the book is good. Maybe they're incredible, and maybe you know. that adaptation is. But the, I don't want to just slam this show because I obviously watched it, and I was and I was addicted. Like I wanted yeah, to keep going. True. I forced Cole to watch it, but I really wanted to watch it of my own volition. Okay, so what did you think about Forty's character? Um, first thing I'd like to discuss is his sexuality was an enigma throughout. So I thought he was gay. It was, a, it was, I couldn't tell what was a bigger reveal in, I don't know if it was maybe the end of season or episode four when Candace shows up and I couldn't tell if I was more surprised that Candace was back or that he was, yeah. wasn't gay. I think he's bi from my, after watching the full thing, we discussed this earlier and I was like, oh, I thought he was like douchey straight guy at the beginning. So, but I he thought- He gives me bi energy. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I think he seems very fluid. At yeah. least. Um, and we need to start presuming that more people are bisexual. All right. Stop the erasure. Yeah. Great. 
he he they, it's just yeah there was I, a lot alluded to mm-hmm. with him and joe he was one of the main recipients of this weird writing about la like he was he was la he was la yeah. and they really and, wanted yeah. him to be la and it was annoying I really grew to like him more and more, though, Same. as the season went on. At first, he was my least favorite character. I was like, this mm-hmm. POS is yeah. just an absolute like parody of himself. But as the season went on, I loved him. And I thought it was such a fun, twisted twist that he actually knew that his sister killed the nanny. Mm. Like, Love was perfectly content to have him think that he killed his nanny but then when it was revealed he's later to stupid. joe he's not stupid he and he said that he's like i'm not stupid it's I, also said by joe too which i thought wasn't that jarred me um when they're on acid and joe says he's a savant when he's on acid and mm. i was like wait are we saying that he's smart now mm. but i guess they were trying to subtly imply that right. he's actually very smart there's, there's more than meets the eye yeah no but i love that he kind of that she, first of all, that says a lot about her, that she was willing to let her brother mm-hmm. think that he murdered the nanny. And he knew he didn't, but he, then he decides to let his sister think that yeah. he thinks he did. Well, I, yeah. Right? That was how it was. Because he was like, I always knew it was you, it wasn't me, but I just played along. He reveals that. Does he that. say that? He revealed in episode 10, yeah, when, yeah. He's, when he's, you know, holding Joe at gunpoint. And he's I, like, well, he doesn't. Exp- he doesn't <clears throat> explicitly say that. He says, "I know what you're capable of." Doesn't that imply, though? I took that to yeah. be totally implying that that yeah. he knew she killed her. But I took that as like he might have found out later, or put it together later. I don't think he knew from the moment. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when he was having that confession to Joe, he sounded sincere. I think at least a part of him believed that he did it, but a part of him also mm. maybe thought or knew that love had done it. I mean, no fucking wonder the poor guy has substance abuse exactly. issues. I mean, he literally Especially with the was, sexual murder-related trauma surrounding drugs, right? He yeah. was raped and then woke up to a dead body on him. Of someone, that, of someone that he had feelings for, whether or not while those feelings were... While taking drugs as a 13-year-old. Right. Like, if your brain isn't going to link all of that shit together and give you trauma, then... Right. Yeah. And then maybe later going back and uncovering any repressed memories and realizing, oh, my sister actually murdered mm-hmm. this person. My parents then covered it up. And the sister oh. is the one doting on him at all times, which it, it's probably difficult if he realized that to unlink... His, this drug addiction that's related to that incident with mm-hmm. his sister, who was the one who helped cause that whole... Yeah. yeah no. I kind of liked... I thought that... I, I do think that his character was the most interesting part of the season. I liked his arc the best. I think it was interesting how they started out by really portraying love as the saner twin, the more, mm-hmm. the more level-headed twin, mm-hmm. and he was this possessive, needy, really traumatized person. The and then in the switch. end, you kind of realize, actually, okay, first of all, all his traumas are totally valid, but then also she really had a hand in like fueling mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff and maybe perpetuating that codependency, yeah. you know? It's- I mean, that, that's what characters say to her throughout, right? <laughs> like you're... 
you're codependent with your brother and you don't want to admit it because she always yeah she's making these excuses that she's doing it for him but it's like right she needs it just as much she clearly gets derives a lot of her self-worth from feeling like she's a protector over people in her life probably the biggest guilt of her life which was murdering or maybe not guilt but burden on him Mm -hmm. right like she needs him to carry her trauma and burdens around as well interesting Mm. Yeah, I I thought their dynamic was interesting. It it annoyed me for a while, but then I thought it was pretty interesting. And I think her her kind of like justification of everything that she does is because she says, "I'll do anything for the people I love," and that's mm. why you and I are similar to Which Joe. Is what Joe. That's says. why you and I are soulmates. Yes. And and it's clear that she just places the value of the people she loves of their lives above everybody everybody else's right which is i thought so i also wrote in my notes that my favorite part was that they tried to to do commentary on rich people evading the law or being above the law Mm -hmm. and i do think it is very it, it attracts a lot that her wealth right and she it's mentioned at one point that joe perceives her as a spoiled rich girl and that these wealthy people do believe that their lives and the lives of the people within their family and their circle are entirely more valuable than these throwaway people like Delilah, mm. who is struggling to keep her and her sister afloat or, you know what I mean, or yes. this random au pair. So I did think I liked the the class aspect of that in showing that she 100% did believe that her life was more valuable. And I think that's why she was able to be so convicted and and execute and follow through with these murders in a way that really she didn't seem like she had any remorse Mm -hmm. at all because she had this privilege just absolutely protecting her from any... The golden parachute. Yeah, from any consequences of anything that she's ever done and can't actually therefore absorb the i don't know but it, you would think that she would be that's why i think maybe she's is more of a sociopath because you would think she would be more troubled like 40 is well you i feel like they're both like joe is a sociopath as well right yeah i mean i think it's important when we talk about this kind of stuff this is something that irked me throughout the series is these these characters that are doing the murders are because it were in their perspective were given a sense that what they're doing is justified in certain ways. And yes. that that's what bothered me most about the series in retrospect, I think, is looking at how every single time Joe murders or um, now Love murders, they give you some little reason like, oh, she cheated on him. Or, mm-hmm. oh, the doctor was actually abusing his clients. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, Henderson was a pedophile and also a pervert and an assaultist mm. and it's like okay so so why what's the purpose of that right like why at first They're i was picking like and choosing the morality and joe does exactly. that the entire way through by he wants to distance himself and put himself on a higher level than mm-hmm. the men he perceives to be misogynistic or abusive around him like literally he thinks he's better as a murderer than the abusive neighbor in season one yes and so, so at first, that that is brilliant on the writer's part, yeah. or not, maybe not brilliant, but like but that's, it's that's it's interesting on the writer's part, right? That they're showing how he's able to concoct this sense of greater self worth than the people that he's murdering. But then, at a certain point, it's like, when are we going to get a murder that's just totally mm. animalistic or doesn't mm. have a good reason behind it, right? Because that would 
truly show that Joe or Love is a fucked up person, a monster. But they don't, it's like the the writers don't want to give us that because maybe they're trying to hold on this thread of humanity for these characters so that we can watch a whole nother season yeah. of them relating to them, right? Like, I do think, I think, I mean, I mean, I don't think any of the murders are justified, definitely obviously, not. because we're sane people. But they're, but give, they're partially <clears throat> or... They're giving you something they're giving to you latch something onto, to, exactly. for the characters to latch onto. Mm-hmm. But I do but think you as well, the proxy. killing of Delilah, first of all, Delilah and Beck were complete just self-preservation murders. Mm-hmm. That's how they justified yes. it. Oh, if, you know, I'll be found out, well, whatever, Well, so Beck cheated on him. So there was some stuff like that, right? But Where, then, so then, okay, Delilah, because Delilah the, was, that's why, that was such... That was devastating. Of I was all so of the, upset. Of I all loved the her character in the, the most. series, that was the one that impacted me the most, despite me not being feeling super invested in season two. I felt really disgusted by her death and saddened by it. And maybe that's because the or the writers never gave us yeah. one of those things to latch on to, right? Because she was such a great character. She was such a good character, so well acted, so real. She obviously shot right through Joe's bullshit from mm-hmm. the first time she met him, although she later let her walls down and let him in. But I loved her character, and it felt so gross and mm-hmm. horrific, just even more so than, yeah, than all, all the, the other, other murders, that you're you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? And she is a parental figure to her younger sister, mm-hmm. who Joe really developed a liking to. Yeah, it was what? so strange. Because he sees himself in her. Yeah. I yeah. did. I really did like that little twist, though, of how he was like, did I do this? And I was like, yeah, you fucking killed her. But then it was revealed that Love did yeah. it. I did think that was cool, because she was the actually... The acid trip, though, was... Uh, the acid trip was... It was convenient it. writing, right? It was so... Con- it so was a deus ex machinima to, to make all of that shit at the end happen. It was... And, like, that's, I, I hate to be, like, ooh, like, whatever, but, like, that's not how acid works, even. I don't know. yeah. Like, you don't black out on acid, or from my understanding of acid, you don't black out, you're not, yeah, I don't know. There it, were, there I mean, were... they did they did give us the, he took four times the usual dose, so I get right. that, but I hate, like, a drug sequence to progress the plot. There were a lot of things like that this and the, season the that just And the locking in the felt... hotel, I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Come on. It, felt, it felt lazy, right? And yeah. Especially when... When Fincher sees him, when Fincher first stops him when he's coming back from murdering mm-hmm. Henderson and he's crossing the street to back to his apartment complex and he has the trash bag full mm-hmm. of bloody Henderson paraphernalia and Fincher stops him and it's like, okay, first of all, you don't stop someone for jaywalking crossing the street after they park their car to go to their apartment complex. Like That's absurd at mm-hmm. three in the morning. On a Second residential of all, street. Yeah, you don't dig into a trash bag and not find anything bloody and just re- retrieve the headphones and yeah, it felt no, it really convenient it, like a yeah. lot of moments in retrospect in season one like when Beck almost escapes <clears throat> but only hits him once and then he falls over and she wakes it. it those things to add more tension when it's like but it, it distracts from the realism of it right like yeah. you're because that was such artificial tension with, oh, I set Delilah's locks for 16 hours. Yeah. And now I'm locked in a building because this crazy, kooky guy. Yeah, totally. I couldn't. It was... Totally. Felt very manufactured. I was I was really... I really enjoyed her character and that was... Mm-hmm. Her and her sister were the best her, part. They were so good. Also, any Jane the Virgin fans out there, um, Ellie was young Jane mm-hmm. in many an episode and I liked her from the start. She yeah, was phenomenal. She was great. Her, 
yeah. the lines that she was given. Oh, some my- of them were rough. Some of them were rough, but then but some were so good well. when she was like, I loved when she was like, everyone wants to fuck the 15 year old. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, true. Yeah. So I, that's a good moment to pivot and do a couple questions I had, which is they decided to tackle these really big like topics that are super relevant right now. The first one that I noticed being the idea of the ultra rich and like the hold that they have on the justice system mm. and like the the lack of legality when somebody has that kind of money, right? But then another one that they tackled was like the Me Too era of um, cancel culture and, you know, coming forward mm-hmm. and the idea, which yeah. is mostly Delilah and Ellie's <clears throat> plot line as it relates to Henderson. But like what... What was what were they saying? Well, where were they trying to go with that? Where were they trying to go? Yeah, or yeah. why was that? Like, were it they just, just feels... like, let's throw this? Yeah. Because what did it mean that Delilah revealed this big secret that Henderson had assaulted her, and in the hope that these other girls would come forward, aided by Joe telling her to do so, mm-hmm. but then she's killed. I think. In a, in a, just a, an absolute literal way, it just is actually kind of a perfect example of how women are often treated in these scenarios True. where you're encouraged to speak up, to use your voice, to be honest, to uncover things. And then oftentimes it's the person who speaks up who gets slammed the hardest True. and suffers the worst repercussions for doing that. And it's uh, but it feels like a sick kind of irony that yep. the writers did that because it wasn't like she got backlash from that article it was like some weird karmic thing where then she was had her throat slit by the lover of you know what i mean it, it, they didn't connect that to no what had happened with uh, post her sending that thing to whatever magazine variety magazine i think it's also just in in i think it's if I'm trying to think what the writers are trying to accomplish with it, I think they're trying to, again, do that thing they did in season one of Joe being someone who wants to separate himself from these other bad things and men. Yeah. And so he's over there saying like, I, you know, I'm not a pervert and I would never get yeah, a woman unconscious and take their pervert. top off and snap a photo of it. But, you know, he's, he really is able to compartmentalize so well in his mind mm. and justify the things that he does. And so I think that they used that as just another example of, of trying to show, on one level, trying to get us to sympathize with him by saying, like, look, he's like this feminist crusader who's encouraging his neighbor to, like, do right by her story and, you know, honor her past and speak mm-hmm. out, whatever. But then – on another level, that's being used to show the juxtaposition and the absurdity that's just inherent in in how yeah. he trust, tries to justify his behavior. But 100%. I did think it was just – it's just – I really like this show and I'm conflicted that I like it. I liked it a lot less in season two. I was, I was disappointed with season two. But I'm conflicted because it's really sad and disappointing to keep seeing stories about violence inflicted on women. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of just getting to this gross level where I'm like I mean it's reality, but at the same time it's, it's reality and I think that's actually why so many are so many women are interested in true crime. I wrote this mm. article a couple years ago that was that 
referenced this study and I was able to interview the author of this study that it, it, the stats are crazy that women watch way more true crime than men listen to more true crime well, podcasts. the subjects of it, right? Right. Yeah. So women are usually the victims. And so it makes sense in this, you kind of want to know, you know, you, you want to separate yourself from the other women too by saying, mm-hmm. well, I didn't do that. I would never get myself in that situation. I'm not like her. So therefore I feel safer in my own life when the truth is that it can fucking happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why we're inherently fascinated with a show like this, but it's also so problematic because it's just like, why is it fun to watch women literally get their throats slit? Like it's disgusting and horrific and there's, and it's needless. Mm-hmm. And we're not even being put in the, we're not even centering the no, woman's perspective. No, it's not. No, it's not the horror of her being murdered. It's the person doing it. <sighs> and oftentimes it's the good things that come out of him murdering these women, yeah. Yeah. Like and he murders Paige and he gets closer to Beck. Peach. Or Peach. Sorry, yeah. he murder. Yeah, yeah, he murders Peach. And so we're not right. given, like, the horror of Peach's death. No. I mean, they, they try to, right? But again, it's we're not in Beck's perspective. We're in Joe's. And what's crazy is just the believability that the rest of the characters, what infuriated me throughout both seasons was especially when Peach died, that her friends were like, well, that's Peach and that makes sense. And just no, nobody thought to question it further. No. And even when it was, even when Beck fabricated that story about placing the blame on her therapist, mm. Dr. Nikki, to, and then yeah. he posthumously published her writing, a heavily edited version, Joe did. Even with that... We, I love him editing a woman's story too. <laughs> like, I know! <laughs> so that was like clever Completely. Yeah. And and even that, her friends are like, ah, oh, mm. see, look what happens when you get involved when in an affair. When you go affair. to therapy. Yeah, when, you get in, <laughs> when you're in therapy and you get involved in an affair, yeah. it's just like, wow, it, it really does feel like they're trying mm. to justify. Okay, so this <sighs> brings us to my probably most important question for you about this series, which is, who the fuck is it for? Yeah. And to preface this question, I want to bring up points like, so so I noticed this a lot with the jokes that Joe made, which we were talking about before, about him wanting to separate himself from these other gross, perverted, anti-feminist men. And so stuff like in... We talked a little bit about this in, while watching the first couple episodes together, which is there's there's these jokes like, oh, she's the only girl in LA that doesn't want people to stare at her. Mm. Or which it's like, okay, cool, like misogynistic generalization about LA people, which like that could be summed up as like, Joe being a misogynist or it can be like, haha, LA joke. Yeah. But then there's also there's little jokes like that the whole kind of time of like or the whole time of like, oh, these granola women in LA, these vapid women in LA. Yeah. And then there's also stuff like Joe say like the this weirdly misogynistic dating scene. I don't know if I was just like in a delirium last night and over focusing on things, but I was so baffled by that strange online dating scene where he downloads Flinger, which is their oh, universe's yeah. version of Tinder. And he goes on these three dates with these three women who are all the most weird caricatures of like modern femininity. One of them's like, take a selfie of me. And like yes, can't focus I on the date because that. she needs a selfie. One of them is having too much wine and crying about her emotions. Uh, and then the other one, wait, what was the other one? Oh, the other one just wanted to have sex. And weird, kinky sex. And this all comes right after Joe says that dating apps are anti-feminist. He's describing dating apps and he's like, isn't swiping left or right based solely on somebody's physical appearance anti-feminist? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And I, I, tr- I don't know what was being said in that scene, but to me, it felt kind of reflective of the whole thing of like, who are these jokes for? Yeah. Who are they making this weirdly like semi-woke commentary, uh, but also yeah. deeply misogynistic commentary for? Because part of me is like, oh, is it like, like straight guys that are like, ah, yeah, all girls in LA do want people to look at them. Or it's like, ah, girls do be like that on dates where they just want selfies. Like, who's finding that comedic? Or are we supposed to be solely disgusted by it? But I can't, I, I, I don't think that we're only supposed to be disgusted because those jokes went on for too long. Yeah. They were too comedic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, that I think was that's, convoluted. No, but. that's a really good that's a really good moment to pull out Mm -hmm. as a representation of the whole thing. I don't know who it's for. I think based purely on anecdotal evidence from what I've seen on social media and a lot of my friends really enjoy this show and watch it. It seems like it's young women in their twenties and thirties who are watching this. And. (sighs) Well, what was, what was you being a young ish? how dare you (laughs) you being a young woman what was your reaction to that scene because i was baffled i was like what the fuck is this yeah it felt like really lazy writing Mm -hmm. to me and it felt written by men yeah yeah and so i'd be curious to see was that in the book or was that like I will have a funny dating scene. That's a good Because it, it, it didn't end up doing anything. It literally no, did nothing. It no. had no plot purpose. They were like, oh, you tried the dating app and it didn't work. About, but they just wanted to throw in this five-minute segment about Joe critiquing modern dating right. and uh, meeting women, these characters women of women. supposed to – is the intent supposed to be that it makes women reflect and go, oh, gosh, yeah, maybe I have been that <laughs> if version I want, of that person If I want before. a great bookie man, then I can't be like, these three examples of women. I get my shit together. Yeah, I need to stop drinking wine. <laughs> I need to not just want sex, and I need to not be trying to take selfies. Like, what the fuck? I gotta pull fuck? out the Hemingways, and yeah, yeah it's... Right, because <sighs> there is this whole thing, which is part of the series as a whole, and I get that, that, that it's kind of the allure of it, which is that... Frankly, Joe is hot sometimes. Some, sometimes. Sometimes Joe is hot. Like, <laughs> I mean, obviously sometimes, but right? No, like, but in season he's one purposely especially. Cute. Yeah. He does a lot of really nice things for the women that he's in love with. You guys yeah. can't see this right now, but I'm doing air quotes. Air quotes. But, right, and he, he's, he's, intelligent. he's intelligent. He's He's perceptive. Bookie. He's romantic. He's perceptive. He listens to their problems. He mm-hmm. He does give them good feedback in, first, in season mm-hmm. one when he said, to Beck, he, pushes he didn't Beck get involved, creative. but he said, show your teeth with that professor. He didn't mm-hmm. say like, he didn't, it's weird because he did so much fucking mansplaining in his narration. Mm-hmm. But then when he would speak to her, for the most part, he actually wasn't condescending. Yeah. He would just say something like, maybe try this. And and we're given examples by the writers of this happening. Like, I thought it was so fucking weird that Delilah's, Delilah's major story arc in the last five episodes is that she is going to talk publicly about her relationship with Henderson mm-hmm. or not her relationship. No, it's the her, wrong word for it. Yeah. yeah her, the, the abuse that Henderson performed on her. And specifically she, she's debating whether or not she wants to even come forward, but then she also feels this obligation to these other women, right. And needs to tell this story, her little sister being one of them who could have been yeah. affected. And then the catalyst for her finally performing this, like this feat of confidence and of bravery in coming forward and writing this article is Joe telling her to do that? And they make these jokes like... I hated that. They, she makes these jokes like, like I'm I not thinking you. Yeah. 
it's not because of you, but it's implied by the writing. And, the, and he's like, well, I'm not proud of you then. And I'm, it's like, ew, what the fuck? So it, we're supposed to be like, go, Joe? That was nauseating. And then they made out on the street. Yeah, what? And then I was really, I felt really happy when they got arrested for, mm-hmm. for like fucking in that alleyway. But that was, yeah, that's that was, especially confusing. It just, I'm, I, it's clearly working. The sympathy is working. No. Because I wanted to read you People, some... also after season one, people were all up on Twitter being like, Joe's my perfect man if he wasn't a murderer. Horrifying. Horrifying. And the writers did that. That was purposeful. Okay, so yeah, I want to just read you a few comments that I read online and I screenshotted. This person's at least aware and conflicted about their own feelings. But they As say, we all are, because I'm hate, conflicted. I'm conflicted too. I hate how this show makes me feel bad for Joe. Like, it's amazing how they can do that. Make me feel sympathy for a psychopathic killer. Mm-hmm. And then... So, and then someone goes, so Joe seems to be great in bed. Sure, he's a psychopath and the worst nice guy we've seen, but let's give him some credit for the orgasms he's given, which let's, lest we not forget the five second sex scene that was in season one where he just came all over himself before Beck could even enjoy any pleasure. Like, I don't think he's that amazing. No. Clearly. But anyway. Which is like, that's fine. Like, he doesn't need. uh, Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's. and But these are fine comments. Like, that's what the show is literally. No, it's purposeful. And that he's cute. They got him because he's cute or else they would. And that's why people keep watching this show, I think, because they're like, I hate how it makes me love him. This one goes, I just want him to get away with everything. He, he. Exactly. Right. (laughs) Like, that's a he, he. Like. (laughs) You, that's gross, but also I feel the same way half the time when I'm watching it. I'm like, you do. I, was I don't want him to get caught two. and bashed against a wall in a prison and called a piece of shit like he is, or I just want him to get away with everything. Like I couldn't with the back and forth. Okay, here's in what, season two. I just here's let's an talk ending. about this though because I wanted him. To, I wanted him to. I wanted to see him go down. I did not want him to get mm-hmm. away with stuff, but I wanted to see Candace be the one to do it. And we mm-hmm. haven't touched on her yet. And she just got killed for no she, motherfucking reason. Ugh. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm so upset with what they did with her this season. She came out. The actress like such, couldn't have been happy. She was such an intriguing character in season one, being threaded through the flashbacks, mm-hmm. and then she comes at the very end in the last four seconds and makes a big statement. And then in the beginning of season one, she makes a big statement. And then when she pops back and she's dating forty, that was iconic. so clever, iconic. I was like, "You go," but she didn't have a plan. She had like, I was like, "Girl, why didn't you think this through?" It seemed like she didn't have any plan. I wasn't mad about that. What it, but. But it's like, what was she, what do you think because, her goal was as well, a character? So the way I saw it, right, is at the end we're supposed to – they bait you with this scene of Candace showing love, Joe trapped in this cage with the body he supposedly murdered. Yeah. And so you're supposed to be like, these girls finally united and did it. And then you get the contrast of the difference between love and Candace, which is that Candace is not a killer. She never suspected love, and love is. So I was fine with that, because, right, Candace had this very bold attitude, and she even says, like, in fight or flight, I'm fight. But that doesn't mean that she has the kind of mind that it takes, because her goal was to show Joe what he is. But to do that, clearly, I mean, the entire point of the season, which he says at the end, which is that she got what she wanted because love showed me what I am, because he sees himself reflected in love. But Ooh, that's good. Right, so so I didn't read that. I I wasn't mad at but that because they were the like, please. Well, because Before of that stupid love. motherfucking uh. clip where the woman was like, 
oh, you got bashed and buried alive. And she's like, sweetie, we just can't do anything about it. This oh, is that's Putnam right. County. The woman in the police station. Which I was like, is that? That didn't really, feel, that, that felt so like inaccurate. Was, she was yeah. like, oh, it was in the dirt? Well, dirt is messy and we can't. <laughs> We can't There's go a lot there of for loose dirt we've these never days. looked in the forest for evidence of any crime yeah, case that was, ever. So, that was some bullshit. Lazy writing question mark. That's yeah, the theme of the second. But season. I I liked the. the you thing liked of, what happened to her. No, I didn't like what happened to her. But I liked that were that. I thought that was the one clever thing about because I was really annoyed at like the weirdness. I was like, what kind of human being is Candace if she's gonna come in here and be like, I'm gonna show you exactly who you are? Because mm. I was like, okay, so Candace has got to be a little bit crazy too, which I'm down for. Yeah. But then we kind of realize she doesn't have the crazy that it takes to actually execute this like Love does. To really show him who he is, it required somebody as as fucked up yeah. as him. And that was another thing I found interesting was their very obvious choice that when love comes out as when, when love sort of gives her big reveal that she's also a murderer, mm-hmm. she's disgusting in that whole scene. She looks crazy. Unlike, which is the complete antithesis of Joe, who's si- always simultaneously attractive and level-headed when he's doing mm. this. And I guess we're seeing it through Joe's eyes, right? So he's, mm-hmm. he's disgusted by seeing himself in love yeah but like i love I, I don't love i think it's just very indicative of the fact that like this murderer man is kind of hot and you even see it in real society right where like so many people are obsessed with ted bundy or oh like writing letters to like these murderers in jail and they're like mm, but they're just Actually, the love of my life Penn badgley should have played ten but ted bundy 100 <laughs> zach efron well i heard zach killed i heard I he did good it. but shout Penn out zach just, efron hey zach <laughs> want to come on the pod <laughs> Penn does look like no, him. No, yeah. He, so he would have been spooky. a great... But, like, that happens in real life, right? But nobody's doing this about mm. murdered women. Or or maybe that's because there's less women that are murderers, so there's less that's chance. That's true, but, like, but n- nobody is fetishizing, yeah. Yeah, a, nobody's a fetishizing that kind of darkness female. in a woman. No. And I think even... Yeah, you're right, because the dialogue even conveys it, and Joe gets on his Joe's knees like, and he goes, Ew. I can't... He goes... I can't swim in the river of crazy <laughs> you're spewing at me and, right now. And so you're supposed to get the hypocrisy of that, right? Yes, like that's yes. that's the point of it. But then also, even when it's the point that doesn't justify yeah. what's being written, oftentimes it's like, okay, you achieved your goal, but why 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 was that the ending to that season? I was I was annoyed. And I just think for love was it really was it really necessary to kill Candace or could she have held a knife to Candace's throat and said, listen, bitch, I don't, don't get involved in our life. You better get the fuck out. Like, also she killed her with like a broken broken bottle top in one swipe and then threw her in a trunk. I was like, like that wasn't, they didn't foreshadow that well enough for that to be a reasonable, a reasonable like plan of action for love. That's what I'm saying. I think love is just as, deranged as joe because that but just, without the build-up right and with yeah exactly without the build-up so that's why she doesn't feel as like, we're not as invested in her character wait, at you least just went from I crying when your mom slapped you to throwing to, a body that you slit with a how, what do you think it says that they had her kill three women all mm. in the throat mm-hmm. which they say that throat like if you if you're murdered um, via strangulation or with an at a knife to your throat. It's a very, especially strangulation, a very intimate form of 
killing. Mm-hmm. You have to be up close and personal in someone's face to see the front of their throat every time. Right, right. It is not her coming from behind. She doesn't come it's, from behind. No, no, no. It's, yeah. I'm looking at you and I'm doing a quick swipe of the right arm, which again, unrealistic way to kill somebody. But I was. That's a really good point. Yeah, I, I don't know. Why? I mean, I don't know what that says, but it's just like that was so fucking gruesome. It was crazy. But see, that's the thing with this this whole second season was I was like, what the fuck are they saying? I don't. And know. I feel like maybe that is a fault of like our analysis abilities that we aren't able to get what they're saying with this. But I ju- I don't think so because I felt like what I got what they were saying in season one, but now in season two, I'm like. What I yeah why season one felt like a parable right mm-hmm. and it felt like there was a learnable thing from yeah, it. yeah despite what the media said I we we've talked about this off the media if you will um but this show was promoted literally if you Google season one um, oh advertisements God. and stuff it says like Y'all a show about the dangers of social media which I just think is a, a horrible way to portray this show it's not about social media is not the problem toxic masculinity mm-hmm. is the problem and predation is the problem and trauma is the problem it's about cycles of trauma yeah it's about cycles of trauma and masculinity right and yeah. how that feeds into it and fuels mm-hmm. this type of behavior but it's so season one, it's kind of like, okay, this is a cautionary tale. This is a mm-hmm. really interesting exploration and horrifying of what happens when uh, a man who's experienced trauma at a young age goes untreated, unchecked, and a society that enables this way mm-hmm. of thinking and behaving toward women. But then in season two, it feels like they just double down on that. Yeah. And, and, but, they, it's weird because they double down on it, and then simultaneously, because they're double down on they're doubling down on it, they need you to have more sympathy for him. So mm-hmm. they go even more into his backstory mm-hmm. as a child, and that I was grateful for those flashbacks on the one hand, but then I was also. I mean, we didn't read the Why books, so, so we don't know. Why did so much of his trauma it, come from a fucked up woman as well? <laughs> like, Well, and that, it feels very Fifty Shades of Grey in that way. Did you read those? Not read it, no. Okay, so the whole, I mean, just to sum it up, the whole thing of Christian... Next episode, Fifty Shades. Next Sh- episode, you guys. <laughs> no. God, I actually read all three, and they were a wild ride. They and they were, started as fan fiction. I love that so much. As a fan massive fiction, fan fiction stand of Twilight. Twilight. Iconic. Which you totally see it. They yeah. should have just cast. Really? This they is all Stephanie Meyer's Edward fault. <laughs> it all goes back to her. Y'all, there's a world where Stephanie Meyer didn't exist and none of this happened. None of this happened. The show You Wouldn't Happen, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey uh-huh. never happened, Gone Girl never happened. Anyway, so what was I saying about like the. It, it was very Fifty Shades of Grey in terms very of. Very Fifty his Shades mom of Grey. Christian, being... So Christian Grey's. Um, had this like really had an abusive childhood and okay. was um, groomed by an older woman okay. when he was like fifteen and she became his sex slave, <sighs> and so he became hers. Or he became sorry. He became her sex slave. Yeah. yeah, and so and he's like she taught Wait, me that's everything I know in the book. Yes, yes. That's like rape. It's, it's rape. And they and, and and that's like the hot backstory to the sexy man. Yeah, and she's what like this fuck? intimidating older woman who. What's the main character's name again? The woman that he falls in love with, Christian Grey. I, girl, I ain't read it. Oh, I don't. Anastasia, Anastasia, whatever. Probably. Um, but that's what this feels Bella. like, where they're where they're going back to, and they're being like, "Look, the root of all your fucked upness is because of your mother." 
it, like it, it's so weird because it's because of his dad because his dad's not there but then but the then perspective like, we get is oh the mom is also doing it right and it's like she brought another abusive man into their mm-hmm. life and and he's like I thought it was just gonna be us and she's like well I wanted you to have a father and she even says you need a strong man it all goes back to the fucking patriarchy because she <laughs> is in her, she's like I wanted you to have a dad. She says, she has multiple points of things where she says, I wanted you to have a dad. That's why I brought this abusive guy back around. And then she also says, I, you need a strong man to teach you right from wrong, mm-hmm. which is just not true. No. A woman can absolutely teach you right from wrong. That was very interesting. Really interesting. Again, what were they trying to say? I don't I know. I don't know. They're, I don't know if they're just literally showing us how scary society can be and here's mm. this woman who's been socially conditioned to believe that she doesn't have a lot what of worth take, yeah. that she doesn't have what it takes to raise a son on her own and therefore not that she it, it, no woman ever deserves any type of abu- abuse no person does i don't think you invite that into your life no. but she some part of her she's I don't given know. tons of flaws yeah she's given yeah. yeah and then she Too many, teaches I would this maybe say right Right. And then he is able to he's sort like, of pin that all on her and say, oh, because of you, then I had to go into this foster system mm, where I was abused But he's also further. like my angel. Right. Uh, and I think that's why what? he feels like he has to protect these women because he's trying to mm. constantly uh, like pr- <gasps> protect wait, his mom. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm a dumb shit, but I didn't even make the connection that, yeah, he's, so when he's saying these other men are perverts, they're abusive, that he's, he's protecting he, his mom. Yeah. But he is... Okay, even good the job, kids. writers. <laughs> even the kids, when he's when he's protecting he's the protecting kids, the he, that's, he's protecting the mom from himself. He sees his in the children in both seasons. He sees his former self, a defenseless young child who's been neglected or abused, and he mm-hmm. says, "I need to protect you from this abuser." And then with the women too, it's like anyone in your life who's who's capable of hurting you or or putting you in harm's way or whatever, he wants to get rid of those people. Mm -hmm. And it's all in this attempt to, yeah, like rectify the, like his childhood and what his mom went through, which, okay, okay. That's just a very like Freudian, whatever, like, Mm -hmm. but I just still don't think it's a justification to be a serial murderer. No. (laughs) Do you? you, you (laughs) No. But. Again, I, Important to reiterate, too, with any discussion like this, that this show is strange because you're sympathizing with him and you're seeing these reasons that he's committing these murders, kind of. But it's also important to note that so many people went through the exact same trauma and didn't end up right. being serial killers. Right. So there is something to be said about maybe like an inherent sociopathic tendency or a psychopath. Listen, I'm not up to date on what the difference it's between sociopathic those sociopathic because I think, well, I don't know, psychopathic... <laughs> means that you don't have a conscience well okay so i saw a video recently where a doctor said that psychopathy is um born it is a something that is genetic or not necessarily genetic but it is you have it from from the moment yeah you have it where sociopathy sociopathy who knows um is nurture is not nurture it comes from trauma specifically or it comes from okay then he's a philosophy yeah yeah but again, so many people have gone through the same trauma and right. didn't, yeah. I don't no, know. it's no excuse. And I think that's, but okay, so that leads me to a question that I had written down. Please. Which is, why are we interested in stories about damaged men? I have so much to say that I've been wanting. Please. So I, I'm going to go out on a limb and connect this to the movie The Joker, mm. which has been mm. a cultural phenomenon lately. And I have opinions about it because I saw it in theaters. 
And so I think it's very interesting, right? Hollywood and just mass media in general loves telling stories about badass men. And that's what the superhero movie is, right? It's these heroic men. And then now we've pivoted into this like recent thing where we like media about men that are obviously damaged, but we're still in their perspective. It's it's not changed. It's not about the people that the Joker hurts. It's about the Joker. And you isn't about the women that are affected by this. It's not about Peach, who was murdered. It's not about Beck. It's about Joe. Mm. And so there's this weird obsession lately with these damaged men and finding out why they're so damaged or why they become villains or why they become these monsters. Mm. And that's what the Joker is all about. It's it's giving a backstory to an iconic villain in the superhero canon, whatever. But at the same time, for those of you that saw it, it was so fucking weird because the movie straddles this odd line of sympathy with the Mm. Joker um Joaquin Phoenix kills it in his acting but like he he delivers this speech at one point sorry Joker spoilers as well Joker spoilers Joker spoilers lots of spoilers out here (laughs) um the Joker delivers this speech on live television after he's been sort of trampled by the society that doesn't understand him doesn't understand his mental illness which is all very real like so many people feel like that and that's a valid thing But he delivers this speech quite literally about living in a society, which I, Paige, I don't know if you're up to date on meme culture these days, but there's Mm. a meme with a picture of the Joker that just says we live in a society. And it's been co-opted by all of these alt-right in in sort of a weird, like joking, ironic way of like, we live in a society. And the Joker is just used as this symbol of sort of this online inceldom alt-rightness or all of these right like this conservatism of like we live in a society where i can't like Mm. blah 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 blah. he delivers Mm. a speech where he almost exactly says the line we live in a society on this thing and he's like this society tramples over me it doesn't care about people like me and then he shoots the interviewer of this tv show that he's on just point blank kills him and i swear to god like upwards of six men in my theater clapped when the Joker <gasps> shot these shot this man in cold blood, no, after no. delivering a speech about how society fucked him over. Oh my god, that's and that chilling. is what you does as well, right? We're like, oh, he was abused and all these things, but it's like at the end, it, there's this riot where everybody's wearing these Joker masks and they're all saying like, we need to fight for the poor, like for the people that are misunderstood by society, which tends to be white straight men who feel that they aren't understood. I mean, that's what we've seen with, like, in the case of incels and all of these things, right? Every almost, every shooter, right? Every mass shooter, exactly, yeah. is is a straight white man who felt misunderstood by society. Which being misunderstood by society is a whole other point, which but is valid and real. Welcome to being a fucking, fucking human exactly. being. Grow up so and get why, your shit together. Why do we have movies about this? And it ends with all of these people lifting Joker up and and him smiling as he panders to this crowd that is doing kind of a good thing in that they're revolting against the rich elites, but they're also revolting against the hero. It is so confusing, wow. and it was really unclear what is being said about the men that are experiencing this trauma and why we should care about their stories. But we're given no explanation as to why we don't get the stories of the people that they harm still. Ugh. Right? Like, the, obs- the obsession is still on Joe. It's still on the Joker. Sorry, that oh. was so much. That Ooh, I- no, I loved it. Do you know what I mean? I loved it. Thank you for getting into that. I I agree with you completely and it's maddening and I think 
the reason I can see for it that I don't agree with, but I that I can see as a general societal justification is that we want to understand these men so we can prevent them from doing these crimes and hurting other people. But then why are we making other men clap in the theater when they fucking kill people? I know. That's what's the intended intended consequence. Like, we have to look at evil straight in the face to understand it. Right. But why are we... We're not just looking at evil under a microscope. The show is asking us to become evil for a minute while we watch it. And is that healthy? I don't... You know what's so weird, too, is... I recently read Know My Name, the book by Chanel mm, Miller. Mm-hmm. Who, you guys, you have to read this book. It's absolutely phenomenal. I think you you still need to read it, Cole. But that book is a perfect example of how we talk to women about how to avoid rape and sexual assault and mm. place the onus on women to escape it rather than the onus on men to not do it in mm-hmm. the first place. And it's kind of interesting because with a lot of sexual crimes, there's not that desire to, if you're a pedophile, it's like, oh, fuck you, you know? It, it instantly, there's not a desire to delve deeper into why you're that way. But why is it that when you become a killer, a murderer, there's suddenly We've this gotta different- We've got to know your story. There's this different layer of fascination where it's like, and I think maybe because we have normalized sexual crimes over the centuries Very true. to such a, an enormous degree. Whereas, that we don't need an explanation. Right. We're just like, oh, he raped her. We're like, <laughs> okay, well, yeah, that happens and it's <laughs> shitty. But then with violence to the degree of murder, that's still, there's a part of us that feels that that's incomprehensible, especially when it's not done under the context of war or, or you know, killing a quote unquote bad person or whatever. And I was watching Don't Fuck With Cats with our mom Um and at the end of, no spoilers for this, but at the end, you you sort of did a, a mini profile on the person that was fucking with the cats mm-hmm. and doing these, or was killing, right? And our mom said, well, I was unsatisfied. Why didn't we get to find out why he did it? Mm. About a real person. Mm. And I think that just reflects, like, we're taught to wonder, why? or we're taught to think that there's an exact reason. Yeah, and there's, there's Oftentimes not. not, no. Or the reason is trauma, but then you don't need... I don't know. I think you can have compassion up to a certain point, but it's like, yeah, it is really interesting that as a society, we're so obsessed with centering this white, straight, male perspective and a violent person at that. And I think it's just, who's writing these stories? It's definitely not, because if you talk to people of color or, you know, writers of color or queer people or just people who have a different perspective that's not in the majority that's been in power Mm -hmm. for the last, for as long as humanity's been on this planet, then they're like, I don't know. They're over there. They're probably echoing us right now being like, because- Who the fuck cares? Yeah. We don't care about these stories, but we're trying to tell other ones, but those are not the voices that are being promoted or uplifted. And it really is, it's such a, it is such a white centered show. Mm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the people that die are non-white or the people that get fucked over, right? Like Right, and who also have the most the most likable characters in the second season, at least were all people of color who who were and they were the most ambitious. You know, you have mm-hmm. Delilah who is a go-getter journalist, mm-hmm. who's smart, who has an amazing bullshit detector. 
you have her. But let's mention that the race is never brought up. It's not like the show is dealing with race and acknowledging it. It's just that these characters are minorly racialized in the background with no other context. Right. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Or just, I'm just thinking of Love's friends in the second season mm-hmm. who she has. Um, are all queer. All, or they're all queer. One and, of them is a queer person of color. Yeah. Two. Or two. Yeah. Two of them. And I don't know. I don't know. It's what not that, discussed. I don't know yeah. what the fuck that says, but <laughs> I, I did stand quick point. I stand the pansexual acupuncturist. What's his Iconic. name? Gabe? Yeah, Gabe. Yeah. I oh, love that him was a great from, scene. Uh, What's he from? He's from that show about, um, it's about this house in San Francisco that's like a co-op for these queer misunderstood people. Oh, I Shit. don't know. That I sounds really remember. good. It's amazing. You'd love okay. it. But we'll put it in the show man. notes. <laughs> Next episode, you guys. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, yeah. But I, wanna, I loved it. Yeah, I don't know. I want to just. Like, they, they were the butt of jokes, though, too, which bothered me. But like then the, Joe, the queer people, yeah. Joe's like, oh, but actually I like them. But I love yeah, that he yeah, had to I go through the journey was, of like, uh, these fucking annoying pansexual wait, what did he say? He had some he great, some, it wasn't a great line, but it really stood out to me. And Kyle and I looked at each other like, what the hell? When he said, when he first was he, spying on them at brunch. He said, okay, I, I triggered, said, this people, triggered me. He said, these people, wokeness or something. Mm-hmm. He said that Gabe is a pansexual man that, that seems to only sleep with men. And I was oh, like, why the mm. fuck? Who cares? Who wrote that? Why would you bring that up? I don't know. That just felt Again, harmful. Who is that for? Right. Are people supposed to be like, oh, yeah, I hate when... Those pans when always... When bi men are actually just gay. <laughs> or... Yeah. What, do you know what I mean? Like that... Yeah, you're right. You're right. Which, if like, we, I guess you're supposed to be like, oh, Joe is that guy. But the, the majority of people watching this are going to empathize with what he's right. saying, not be like... And here's the thing. Ugh. I So I rewatched season one before season two this year. And in rewatching season one, I think if if you're like me and like most people on the planet who've become accustomed to watching Netflix a certain way, you're not necessarily all the way fully focused Mm-mm. the entire time you're watching. And with a show like this where the dialogue is really fast paced, it's easy to miss stuff. It's easy to just kind of gloss over things. And when I rewatched season one, a lot of things were illuminated to me that that didn't stand out completely when I first watched it. And most notably, that was Joe's narration, where the scene where he strikes Peach in the head with a rock when she's running in Central Park was really chilling to me because he goes through this whole... And this writing I thought was really brilliant, but he goes through this whole narration of at first kind of freaking out about Mm. what he's done and just thinking, okay, there's actual cops and da-da-da, that was way too close. And then it slowly spins into this thing where he goes... It's hard what I do for you. It's not easy. Mm. It's brave what I'm doing. I'm brave. You need me. You, you're lucky to have me. And totally justifies this thing that he does. I think that's when this series is like at its best is when oh, you yeah. get you get to see his justification. Yeah, that was so good. But then I but think... Again, why do we love that? Well, what? what I'm saying is you. it's easy to miss things. And I think when you're just watching along, that fast-paced dialogue works to Joe's benefit, works to the character's mm. benefit. Because as someone watching it's easy to just hear a little quip of something like you know what's that i, I don't know kind of scientific theory that selective hearing where you just you hear the things that resonate with you yeah, the most or that 100%. are most relatable yeah. so if you hear something that you resonate with and maybe you're someone who doesn't understand bisexuality and you hear that little quip and you go oh yeah right, got him <laughs> got him but then you're missing all the 
the deeply problematic stuff exactly. that's around it. And I think if you were, if everybody that's the, were to the same look, gotcha thing of all these, the only woman in LA that doesn't want somebody to look at her. That's why maybe the book. Like you're not are, looking at the problem of it. You're just being like, <laughs> right. And then the scene's over and there's no time for you to reflect yeah. on. Yeah. That's such a good point. That's why maybe the books are better because you're having time. You, you're fully aware of the hypocrisy, the irony, the grossness you're the as you're yourself. reading it. Yeah. If we were to read this as a, as a screenplay, I think you would have a, such a different reaction to it. It'd be unbearable. It'd be unbearable than when you just hear him going a million miles exactly. an hour. And that's where Penn Badgley, I mean, he shines. He's really good at that. Yeah. That kind of fast-paced, ironic, witty narration. But it's easy to miss stuff and just like go along with it. And then you're like, horrified at the stuff that he's actually saying yeah. and it's this thing of like so are, are the showrunners are the creators of the show elucidating the fact that we just gloss over so much problematic shit or are they just adding to the problematic shit god you know it, yeah it, it's hard to know next yeah. episode <laughs> <laughs> that's a really i mean so Okay, I want to talk about the ending. Yeah, let's... Did you find it satisfying? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Could have guessed. I was very mad. In my notes, I say this acid trip thing sucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel delusional. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the thing with 40 was okay, I guess. Him revealing that he killed the... Um, the au pair. But he actually didn't. And then I said, IDK, I'm just searching for something I like. Yeah, and then they took that away. He didn't actually... I don't know. Uh, but, but but what about the actual... So here's... One of the second to last note. That ending was stupid as shit, is what Cole's <laughs> note says. <laughs> okay, here's what I wish would have happened. Please. Rewrite it. Fan fiction this. Fanfic. I wish love would have killed 40 for Joe. <gasps> that would have been so... That's what I thought happened. That's what I thought was going to happen. When she was standing there in between the two... Yeah. Choose, I thought she's going to have to choose. going to choose her baby and Joe, therefore. Yeah. God, that would have been great. I know. I would have loved that. And then it would have been ultra satisfying. Instead, I felt like it was a cop-out. And I'm also upset for... Is his name Finch? Fincher? Finchy? Whatever that cop mm-hmm. who killed 40 because it feels like... He's a cop. He can probably but also, get away with it. But why it's like, are we empathizing with a cop? But but and why why Sorry, did we have to just toss in that he kill? I don't know. It just felt yeah. like such a weird cop out. And I know that they put in a few episodes prior that Finch was going to put a tail on mm. them. So that's why how he knew. But still, it just was like I really wanted Love to have to look her brother in the face and kill him instead. Mm. And I thought when she said okay, remember when she said okay. Tell me the plan. I thought that she was going to pretend to 40, like, tell me mm-hmm. the plan, what we're going to do with Joe. And then I and thought then she was going to, yeah. and then, and then backstab him. And I no. wanted that so much. And she would have That would have been a character arc for sure. Where the character arc we had with love felt nonsensical. It felt yeah, that, very Gone Girl to me. Did, did you ever see it, that movie? Why did we focus so much on her codependency with him? That would have been a brilliant payoff. That would have been so if good. If it had been foreshadowed well, if she she's like, look, I'm not codependent anymore. I killed yeah. him for you. Yeah. That would have been great. And now I'm codependent to a new person. Also, final uh, quick point. The, the whole cop aspect of the show is really interesting, right? Because these cops are 
a lot of the times the good guys acting against Joe mm-hmm. who are the ones that are maybe going to find him out. But then at the same time, They're we corrupt. have the thing with Candace of cops don't actually care. And then Fincher's abusing his powers and, and he was being weird to Ellie. He was being so weird to Ellie. But then he's Ellie. also kind of the hero for coming in at the last minute. He's like, God, if I got here... So-. Like, what's the show saying about the police state we live under? I don't know. That's way too much to unpack. But again, one of those examples where... I, it, it's not clear yeah. what the show's being said. Even after a lot of discussion and analysis, I really couldn't tell you what we were supposed to glean from that. Yeah, maybe just the fact, maybe that was just another point to show how how much the Quins had the LA police yeah. force wrapped around their finger that they, but then it's like they killed a Quinn in the yeah, end so I, I, I don't know but did you ever see the movie gone girl or read the book yes i saw the movie okay loved the book hmm. and i didn't that just feel very resonant yeah. when she was like i'm pregnant i was like oh uh, this is another gone yeah. girl like and it's like they're gonna be these also, twisted the people together that that would, like, and raise a child Joe stop i don't know i didn't really buy it i was like i thought she was lying i yeah, didn't know that it she seemed like a classic kelly kapoor where it then pans to a like interview with her and she shakes her head and smiles. Yeah, she's like, no. <laughs> um, yeah, and then okay, so the, so so forty that dies. Ending, what tragic? Because I was really starting to like forty. And he detected that shit. He pulled it. Oh, I loved when he went to see Doctor Nikki. I was hoping mm. they would bring John Stamos back this season. And Can here, we just have a show about John Stamos. No, actually, but also, I don't want to. No, yeah. But here's to your point earlier when you were saying how there's always a justification for the bad behavior and and makes us sympathize with these Mm -hmm. characters doing horrific things. He's actually the one character who stood out from that because he ruined his marriage. He had affairs. He he, a major breach of Mm -hmm. of every code of ethics in therapy to sleep with his patients, and so he did that numerous times. Probably you know, abuse of power, yeah. all this stuff. And he... She was just the first one to ki- to die from yeah. it. Yeah. And he said, no, I am guilty. I may yeah. not be guilty of murder, but I'm guilty. And then that pivoted into like a weird Christian thing too. That was so interesting. Yeah. I was and like, I, what? I, I mean, I enjoyed though that he said that. Was that was because John Stamos had 28 minutes to record for this show. <laughs> <laughs> but didn't you like that? I liked yeah, that... Yeah, no, I liked that That he, he was, was like... No, I'm not going to try to get out of this because I did something bad and it doesn't like that to me was the And then now we're empathizing with this fucked up man. Right, like, good on you. I know. He, I, it's I, like it feels like a better option than everyone else, but um okay, so then yeah, at the very know. end we see that they're in a nice home. Clearly they've suburbanized mm-hmm. themselves and love is and It's LA as fuck. It's LA as fuck. Love is more pregnant. She's got a cute little bump and she waves at Joe. And he says, he has some really interesting dialogue where he said, um, what did he say? Siberia is not always cold. And Sometimes it's 73 degrees and with, sunny. with uh water conscious landscaping mm-hmm. and sunny. Implying that he's, that in, he's hell. in hell. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's like you it's were like, in love with her. But the hell, the hell, the hell was like a clever, like, mm, aha, they did it. Because yeah. Candace was like, I'm going to show you yourself and you're going to hate it. And then his and hell he was living with himself. And quite literally producing another one of himself. Which and was kind his of child. like living with her because. Well, that's what I'm saying is her is himself. Yes. That he's, yes. yeah. Because he's disgusted with her as soon as he sees himself yeah. in her. Oh, that's such a good point. 
which I did think was yeah. cool commentary on the fact that, like we said before, these qualities are like cool and fun and interesting in a man, but when it's in a woman, we're just disgusted. We're like, no, there's thanks. no room for empathy at all. Yeah. We're just like, ew. Moving on. Love is a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, the, the, there couldn't be a show about love. No. Shot like, no, no, no. Like, no, yeah. no, no it mm-hmm. wouldn't work. So, and then we see him kind of, uh, or no, not kind of, fully attach himself to a woman next door based on nothing except her hands My and her pile favorite of books. part of the entire that was the stupidest like oh hey there. they had one day on set and they were like guys we have to like option for season three and they were like all right hey neighbor oh my god because so, they, they effectively just said get ready for the same plot line get ready for three. the same plot but i think and here's what i think about Ugh. him that he this feels like such a cliche statement to even say because i think it's in every rom-com ever but say it he likes the chase Mm -hmm. he likes the feeling of conquering a woman Mm -hmm. and getting her to turn her attentions to him and now that love is love is so more way more sold on it than beck ever ever was Mm -hmm. and way more sold on it than even he is i Mm -hmm. think and so he's a little freaked out by that and all of a sudden feels very like this is very permanent okay so right absolutely and if we're looking therefore at the series as a whole like these different arcs right season one and season two we started season one with him looking for love mm-hmm. love, love. <laughs> I, I wolf you i wrote <laughs> oh, that in my I notes like 85 scene. times because I, I my ears would nearly fall off every and single I time i screenshotted something I on reddit you. that someone said that was my favorite scene. It was so adorable, and oh. I really want them to be happy together. And a bunch of people upvoted it. I will feel. I will feel. Listeners, we will feel. Um, no, but right. So the first season starts with him looking for love, or attaching himself yes. obsessively to this woman. Ends up in tragedy because he kills her. Mm-hmm. Second season, he attaches himself to this woman and ends up in tragedy, not because he kills her, but for some other reason. Where's the character development? Like, I, I thought, I was like, oh, so he did kind of change, right? Now he's living in the hell that he created for himself, this trap that he created himself. Where before with Beck, he was still justifying what he had done to her. He didn't see that as his own fault. He was like, I had to do it. She made me. Right. And then at the end of season two, he finally understands, like, oh, like, I made the, because they, they build it up with that quote, right? The worst trap is the one you set for yourself. Yes. And he says he says it, and he sets it, and he finally acknowledges what he's done, and he says to someone like no i did all those fucked up things and so part of me was like okay his character's developed a little bit but then with that stupid ass hi neighbor i feel like they just erased all that shit again yeah and now it's like round three nothing changed get excited for the same plot yep he's the exact same character we're just doing it again here's what it ruined Ooh. the last like five minutes, which or the la- post time skip to her being more pregnant. I thought that was interesting for a little bit, and the yeah. mom standing uncomfortably at the door and like right. half waving to him. I was like, okay, like they're saying they're showing, not telling. And then, hi neighbor, I can't. I think the majority of people who enjoy this show are no, <laughs> no. I'm not going to cast judgment on that, but I'm going to say. To play devil's advocate here, or even just to justify my own reasons for mm-hmm. being so obsessed with season one. I mean, one. I watched it. I watched it, yeah. And... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Technical difficult. Our producer's in the back. <laughs> They're screaming. Yeah. Um, I think 
people okay wait where was i going with this what was i starting to say I'm still wondering. The reasons people like it. Mm, you said okay, people so I think that if, like the show. I think, yeah. I think if you look at it as a bumbling, delusional character who's love-obsessed, mm-hmm. lowercase l, <laughs> and uppercase, I guess, Whoa. Um, who's love-obsessed and trying to just increasingly get out of more and more difficult binds that he sets up for himself, then I think it's... Okay, it's a fun ride. It's a dark comedy. Mm-hmm. If you just want to enjoy it and take it at face value, it's like it is this ridiculous, absurd character who's so conflicting in the way he in the way he thinks and the way he behaves, and who just is getting deeper and deeper into a hole of his own making. Like mm. people love to watch that shit. That's true. And that's fun. So it's like that's not what happens. Even I mean, it is on a very surface level, but he it, still comes out on top. No, I know, but he's – it's even in the way that this show is promoted. I I was reading this review. Oh, my review. gosh. What was that thing that you read? Yeah. That weird description of the show? It was the synopsis in – I think it was – it was in a legitimate publication, and I can't recall which one, but it was saying that they were summarizing it, and they were like, it's about this guy who um, – who – uh, comes up against obstacles on the search for love. And it's like, comes up against what? obstacles. Yeah. And they were making, and I maybe they were just trying not to, because it was a spoiler-free yeah. synopsis. So maybe they were they just couldn't say. Comes up with But it's like, comes even up against, makes it sound like a passive thing. Even that like synopsis of the show just reflects I know. sort of the But I think that's how people whole, like to weird. look at it, which is like, oh, this delusional guy who's just enamored with finding yeah doing the most for love enamored with finding the best relationship is just getting into these deeper and deeper lies Mm. and it's fun to watch himself try to stay ahead of the curve i think in its simplest form that's what that show is and if that's the reason why you enjoy it kudos but we're here to overanalyze (laughs) name drop baby boom (laughs) y'all didn't see it coming what so did you ever see dexter no I was obsessed with Dexter, and now it makes me rethink everything, why I was obsessed with it, because... But Dexter had a more clear sense of morality, I think. Oh, it did, because he was... But but what had... He killed bad people. What I've been freaking out about online is that everybody's comparing him to Dexter. Uh. They're like, the millennial Dexter, the, the modern Dexter for our age. And it's kind of horrifying, because I think everyone's forgetting the premise of Dexter, which is that he worked for the the police... And he was trying to kill people who were out there murdering hordes of other people. But Paige, is it that they're misunderstood or misremembering? Or is it that the show has given us enough examples of these people being bad that we can perceive them as bad people? Like he's killing Henderson. Ah, right. Right? Like what a Dexter. I think think tossing Henderson in there really kind of fucked with everything this season. And... I don't know. Definitely. I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Made okay, it. We don't know. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's our really, conclusion. <laughs> y'all, after this analysis, we don't fucking know. We don't and know. And that's how I feel about season two is I don't think I liked it. But overall, I don't know. Would you watch season three? No. Okay. Unless I had maybe a podcast to do about it. In which case, <laughs> I could be forced. Hey, you guys, let us know if you want us to do a podcast about season three. Hey, report back in a year. Do y'all want. But honestly, I as know. we've seen before, Netflix doesn't always option the, the third season. Yeah, as we've seen with the OA. The OA. The OA. R.I.P. 
Mm-hmm. It'll be discussed in the future, don't worry. Yeah. But, yeah, I... I was it a fun time? Yes. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I had fun with it. Okay. And I had fun... I was angry a lot and confused, but... I can't ignore the fact that I t- tore you through season one. You wanted to watch and it, too. I was desperate to watch season yeah. two. And I think it was the perfect between uh, Christmas and New Year's content that I needed. Mm. And I don't know if I'll watch season three. I feel I, I feel a little let down mm-hmm. after this season. And I don't really want to see this. I don't want to see – I just don't want to s- – support more violence against women for the sake of it and i know this is a fictionalized story but then maybe it can be justified but if the show is going to leave us with these i don't know i don't know what i learned i don't know how i felt then i don't know if the the violence against women on screen just the physical act of it of seeing it is justified you know is it making me think 100 percent? is it making me really angry about a lot of the systems we just have in our society that go kind of unchecked yes and is that the point of it i don't know i don't (laughs) i couldn't tell you i lean towards no well you know what's interesting is i watched so many interview videos on youtube of the cast from season Mm -hmm. one afterward because i was so into it and a lot of it was interesting because i think pen badgley had the most insight which is understandable into the character, Mm -hmm. but he seemed to have the best grip on what it was really about. And some of the other cast members were like, just goes to show like like, how technology can be like really scary today. Mm -hmm. And I was like, is that what we're still talking about? Mm -hmm. It's not about technology. It's not about the advancing of smartphones. Technology didn't make someone think that they have entitlement over, yeah, yeah, over someone else's body and, and life choices, I don't know. It's Snapped. so I don't even know that that they knew, or maybe they do now in the second season. But I don't know. I don't know. That's what we're gonna leave you all <laughs> yeah. with. We don't know, but we're interested, and we love um, to talk about you it. If you know, please comment down below and leave a review. <laughs> I love how you're saying down below. I'm, What's uh, the make, below? It's like a YouTube thing. <laughs> YouTube subscribe. Link and subscribe. Check the description box. Yeah, I don't know. We we, we would like your feedback. And Mm -hmm. if you're here at the end of this long journey. Mom, Dad. (laughs) What did y'all think? Kyle, thanks for being here, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, really, if, if you have listened up to this point, thank you so much. We are really grateful. We're excited to have a platform to talk about the things we like and get frustrated by and if if you can relate in any way then we're so glad you're here love y'all okay until next time thanks for overanalyzing with us thanks for being here bye bye